Welcome to the Dementia Connections podcast, where each week we share the latest research news, expert advice, and stories about living well with dementia. I'm Carolyn Branley, the editor at Dementia Connections. Today we'll share two stories about how gamification and interdisciplinary teamwork make a difference in dementia care, along with a bonus article about dementia-inclusive gun safety. But before we get to the stories, I wanted to ask you to consider becoming a Dementia Connections Insider member. It's a time of change in publishing, and Dementia Connections needs your support to continue to collaborate with researchers and people with lived experience to create valuable stories to share. Learn more about the benefits of our new Insider membership and find the links to the full articles and related resources in our show notes and at DementiaConnections.org. Let's get right to the stories. PSW Perspectives on Quality Care Written by Elizabeth Chorney Booth Everyone working within the dementia care community has a common goal of providing the best quality of care possible to people living with dementia. How that care is provided may differ from organization to organization. And while nurses, doctors, and academics often share a variety of perspectives on what constitutes the best care possible in various articles and studies, one group of stakeholders that often gets less say when it comes to their point of view are personal support workers, or PSWs. PSWs work directly with people with dementia and are usually the front line of care in both private homes and long-term care facilities. In most cases, PSWs have less training and credentials than other members of a care team, which means their opinions are often regarded with less gravity than that of a doctor or nurse, even though they tend to spend more one-on-one time with people with dementia than any other professional caregivers. This is why Dr. Marie Savandragiam and her colleagues at Western University's Care Lab and the Sam Katz Community Health and Aging Research Unit wanted to study the perspectives of PSWs when it comes to providing high-quality care to clients with dementia. In December 2021, the team published a paper titled Quality Home Care for Persons Living with Dementia, Personal Support Workers' Perspectives in Ontario, Canada, in the Journal of Health and Social Care in the Community. The paper reported on the experiences of 15 Ontario-based PSWs who were interviewed by the research group over a few months in late 2019 and early 2020. We asked it the open-ended question, what does quality of care for persons living with dementia look like to you? We really wanted to understand their perceptions of quality care, says the doctor. Through that interview process, we identified several themes that emerged related to what quality of care means to people on the front line. Many of those themes that the team uncovered echo the documented concerns of other dementia care workers. Specifically, the PSWs pointed to the importance of individually tailored, person-centered care, a common call in the current thinking about dementia care. The day-to-day aspect of the PSW roles puts the participants in intimate proximity to the people that they're caring for, and that closeness led to some more specific comments as well. The study found that the PSWs believe that a consistency of care and the pairing of clients with the same PSWs on a regular basis are both important for high-quality care, and that they also recommend that family care partners be given more formal support in navigating the healthcare system. 
Those interviewed also offered insights on aspects that could help them to better perform their jobs and contribute to the overall picture of person-centered care. The team says that many of the participants stated that, in general, PSWs aren't provided with proper training or access to new cutting-edge information in the same way that a doctor or registered nurse would be. They also don't often feel respected as part of a client's larger support team. In some cases, some of the participants said they aren't even briefed on a client's full history or other information that could be essential in providing the very best care. PSWs really want to be included as part of the interprofessional care team, the doctor says. They're working with family care partners, nurses, and doctors, and they want to be included so that everybody's on the same page. PSWs spend most of their time with clients living with dementia, and they need to be actively involved in those interprofessional care teams. One PSW who participated in the study put it, The local health integration network come in, they do their assessment, they leave. They don't see the changes. They're not with the person every day or every week. The only person that's going to see that is the family members and the PSW, so ideally the care plan should involve everybody. Finally, the respondents asked for a call to action for agencies to better respect and support PSWs so that they have the time and ability to treat clients with an equal degree of dignity and respect. In this regard, PSWs who work independently rather than with an agency said that being able to facilitate their own schedule rather than rushing from assignment to assignment allows them to give each client the attention they deserve. The team said that they hope that other healthcare workers take the PSW's concerns to heart and work to make them feel included and heard. With everyone having the same goal, providing excellent treatment for those living with dementia, it makes sense to put real value in the voices of those interacting directly with those with dementia. Advocating to be a part of an interprofessional team is a fair ask because PSWs have frequent contact with clients with dementia and therefore are the ones who can see the changes that a person with dementia may be experiencing, the team notes. Our paper is really about including the people who are doing the most work and are providing the most care but get the least support. Part of our research is to advocate for PSWs because, apart from family care providers, they are the backbone of the formal care system. Embracing Feedback, See Hero Quest, written by Elizabeth Chorney Booth. One of the challenges that many academic researchers face is finding a large enough sample of participants to build a comprehensive data set. Convincing the public to engage in research projects isn't always easy, especially when experiments are invasive or time-consuming. A group of scientists in the UK has found a new way to encourage people to participate in an academic experiment in order to collect invaluable data to help with early dementia diagnosis. They're doing it through a wildly popular video game called Sea Hero Quest. 
Seahero Quest was developed by a multidisciplinary team at the University of East Anglia in Norwich and University College London in 2016 as a way to measure player spatial navigation. On the surface, Seahero Quest looks like a recreational video game where players take on the role of a son attempting to recover his father's lost memories by adventuring through an ocean environment. It's designed to be fun while also measuring navigation and orientation skills. For the first phase of their research, the team behind Seek EuroQuest released the game to the general public through a traditional app platforms so that they could collect information from people who are not necessarily at a higher than normal risk of developing dementia. The researchers were hoping to capture data from 100,000 participants, but ended up attracting more than 4 million players from around the world over the course of six months, making it the world's largest study of spatial navigation. Players were told upfront that they were participating in a research project and were also provided with some educational information about dementia and Alzheimer's disease. We wanted to reach as many people as possible, says the, East, says the University of East Anglia's Michael Hornberger, who developed the original idea for the game. We realized very quickly that having people do a scientific task can be boring for them, so we came up with the idea of doing a game. Gaming has a lot of spatial navigation and the ability to move through different levels. That was the premise for starting Sea Hero Quest, and it really went beyond our expectations. Sea Hero Quest came about as a unique collaboration between dementia and cognition researchers, as well as tech and gaming experts. The team from the University of East Anglia in Norwich and University College London worked with web developers Boldlight and the Glitchers game developers to come up with a game that would both be appealing and scientifically valuable. In all, the game came together in a short nine months. After collecting that initial data from the general public, Hornberger and his colleagues removed the game from the app platforms to put together the data set. In 2018, the game re-emerged as a tool specifically for researchers to study healthy players and those at risk of Alzheimer's disease and is now hosted by Alzheimer's Research UK. With such a large data set from the game's consumer run, researchers can compare the performance of their at-risk participants with players from the general population of the same age, gender, and geographical location. Spatial navigation is often affected by Alzheimer's disease before memory loss can be detected, so having a better way to detect subtle deterioration through a tool like SeaHeroQuest could be a game-changer in early diagnosis. While Hornberger acknowledges that there is no cure for Alzheimer's, diagnosing the disease in its earliest stages can mean that the progression can potentially be slowed through emerging interventions. People often ask why they would want to know if they have Alzheimer's this early because there's no treatment for it. And that's a valid point, he says. But we know that some lifestyle changes can reduce the risk of dementia, and that's a key aspect of this research. Hornberger says that he doesn't expect to see patients playing Sea Hero Quest on their phones in their doctor's offices, but he does believe that the studies using Sea Hero Quest will result in diagnostic tools for early dementia detection. 
He is also pleased that his work has proven that thinking outside of the confines of traditional scientific research has resulted in something that can help his fellow researchers for years to come. It's very unusual for researchers to do a game like this. Lots of researchers gamify their research, but few people have developed a proper game like we did. For a long time, many people in the research community said that what we were doing was just a game and not proper science. But once we started publishing our data, people realized that it can generate valid information. Now, with more and more findings, people are getting very excited about it. Dementia Inclusive Gun Safety, written by Ben Biddick. Just as the seasons change, so do the needs of dementia care partners during their care journeys. One consideration often neglected by medical providers after a dementia diagnosis is proactively addressing firearm safety and suicide prevention. By intentionally discussing these issues, both care partners and people living with dementia can be safe while coping with their new realities. It may even save a life. A dementia diagnosis can be overwhelming. This is especially true for people who have seen friends or family members experience dementia-related decline. A person can feel a myriad of emotions once they become aware they are having symptoms, yet maintain many of their abilities. Some may even contemplate suicide as they try to cope with a diagnosis, especially if their internal and external supports are exhausted. Dr. Emmy Betts is an emergency medicine physician and a professor at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. She serves as a director of the Firearm Safety Prevention Initiative at the Colorado School of Public Health and conducts research at the Veterans Health Administration and Eastern Colorado Geriatric Research Education and Clinical Center. Dr. Betts describes how during the process of a person grappling with an overwhelming stressor, suicidal thoughts escalate into a suicide attempt in an often rapid and impulsive manner. But suicide attempts can be prevented by ensuring that lethal means, especially firearms, are unavailable during these dangerous moments. In fact, 9 out of 10 suicide attempts with firearms result in death. Other means are often less lethal and frequently lead to successful mental health crisis interventions, hospitalizations, medical care, mental health care, or enough time to allow for suicidal thoughts and emotions to pass. By ensuring lethal means are not readily available, people can and do survive, often to experience quality of life afterward. However, firearm possession can also harm those who care for a person living with dementia. For example, later in dementia's progression, some people can experience frightening hallucinations due to brain decline. These hallucinations can be consuming and can cause an understandable need to defend oneself. There have been cases where persons living with dementia have injured care partners and family members with firearms during active hallucinations. While acknowledging the dangers associated with guns, many people in the early stages of dementia can safely possess firearms. For example, veterans, first responders, and hunters can participate in healthy recreational activities, social bonding, and a sense of security by keeping their firearms during the early stages of dementia. 
Here are three tips on how to ensure gun safety while including a person living with dementia in decision-making. Tip one is plan and communicate. Dr. Betts recommends that a person living with dementia communicates to their family their desires for when they become unable to safely possess their firearms. Tip two is to create a gun trust. A person living with dementia can draft a document called a gun trust, which says who they would like to give their firearms to once it becomes unsafe to possess them. Tip three is to share your legacy. A gun trust can also help the person share their legacy with any other family members who hold reverence for these items. While drafting the gun trust, share unique stories or experiences related to the firearm that the person wants to pass on, such as a significant hunt, military service, or marksmanship competitions. By following these tips, instead of feeling like a punitive stripping away of a freedom once enjoyed, it, become, it can become an intentional and thoughtful transition, not only of personal property, but of a person's most treasured thoughts and memories. Thank you for listening to the Dementia Connections podcast. We'd love to hear what you think of the stories we shared today. Let us know your thoughts on any of our social media channels. To help our stories reach more people, please rate and review this episode or share it with a friend. Don't miss even more articles at DementiaConnections.org, where you can also check out our Connections listing to learn about new opportunities to speak up by participating in research studies. And you can also find out more about the benefits of our new Insider membership. Until next time, take good care.